This isn't the real Caesar's Palace, is it? What do you mean? Did Caesar live here? Um, no. I don't think so. I went to Vegas last weekend. Pretty crazy. Vegas, baby! Vegas! Gentlemen, welcome to Las Vegas. Why don't you give me half the money you were gonna bet? Then we'll go out back, I'll kick you in the nuts, and we'll call it a day! Some guys just can't handle Vegas. Hey there, and welcome to episode number 15 of the Jeff Does Vegas podcast. My name is Jeff, and I'll be your tour guide for this little podcast adventure to the best city on the planet, fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. Now, as per usual, before we get things rolling for this episode of the podcast, I've got a few bits of housekeeping that I need to take care of. First of all, big thanks to Sergio from Viva Las Value for joining me on the last episode of the show. In case you missed it, VivaLasValue.com is an awesome website jammed full of great tips on how to live like a high roller on your Vegas trip, but spend like a low roller. There's tons of other brilliant stuff over there as well. So again, go check out the website at VivaLasValue.com and check out the episode in the archives at JeffDoesVegas.com. It's episode number 14. Secondly, the Jeff Does Vegas patron program is in full swing and looking for your support. If you enjoy what I'm doing here and you want to help the podcast to keep growing and moving forward, head over to jeffdoesvegas.com and click on the Become a Patron button at the top of the page. For as little as a dollar a month, you can get access to the show archives featuring past episodes and interviews, as well as other exclusive patron-only content. And finally, I want to get to know my listeners better. Next time you're at jeffdoesvegas.com, click the Audience Survey link at the top of the page. It's your chance to tell me what you think of the podcast and tell me a bit about yourself so I can better cater to your Vegas-related podcast needs. All right, that's it for that. Let's move on and get the show going. Before we get to the topic at hand for this episode of the show, it's time to get you up to date on some of the goings-on in Sin City with Vegas news you can use. First off, a longtime residency is coming to an end. Donnie and Marie will be wrapping up their 11-year run at the Flamingo coming up in November of this year. What started off as a six-week stint quickly turned into one of the longest-running shows in Las Vegas, with the pair picking up several Best of Vegas awards during the run and earning great reviews online. The final performance will be on November 16th at the Donnie and Marie showroom at the Flamingo. You can get your tickets for shows leading up to that date online at Caesars.com. Bad news for staff in the world of Cirque du Soleil and MGM Resorts. Our friends over at VitalVegas.com reported the rumors first, and they were later confirmed in the Las Vegas Review-Journal. As part of their MGM 2020 cost-cutting measures, Cirque du Soleil will be reorganizing and downsizing their management operations for the five shows located at MGM properties on the Strip. That would be O at the Bellagio, Love at the Mirage, Ka at the MGM Grand, One at Mandalay Bay, and Zumanity at New York, New York. Now, what does this mean? Well, essentially, instead of each show having its own managers in charge of various departments, one manager will run departments for multiple productions. 
No official word on how many jobs have been lost, but the heads of department who were let go have been offered severance packages and several long-standing employees have lost their positions. And anyone who was let go is being encouraged to reapply through MGM Resorts. Interestingly enough, the lone non-MGM hosted Cirque show, that would be Mystere at Treasure Island, was not affected by this restructuring. And it's no secret that Las Vegas has seen a decline in visitorship over the last few years. One of the theories behind that decline is the increase in fees that have been slapped onto people traveling to Sin City. From resort fees to parking fees to concession and franchise fees, people seem to be tired of being nickel and dimed to death. In an effort to get people back, it appears that the resorts are listening. Somewhat. Some resorts are scaling back fees or offering no resort fee promotions during slow travel times, and others have simply said that they won't be raising fees this year. For example, back in July, the Wynn announced that they'd waive parking fees for anyone spending $50 or more on the property. At the start of the year, the Cosmopolitan canceled parking fees entirely for overnight guests, and the SLS, Golden Nugget, and Red Rock Resort have all launched ad campaigns offering rooms with no resort fees. As for the big boys on the Strip, Caesars Entertainment and MGM Resorts, they've simply said that they will maintain the current fees that they have in place after raising them a little over a year ago. That's your Vegas news you can use. Time to get to this episode's topic. After wrapping up trip number two of 2019, it's time for another Jeff Does Vegas trip report. Now, first off, I want to thank everyone for their feedback on my previous trip report episodes. Although there were a lot of positive comments, a few folks had some suggestions on how I could make the trip reports a bit more entertaining and fun to listen to. As such, I'm changing up the format a bit for these types of episodes. Instead of a boring blow-by-blow, day-by-day report, I want to hit the high spots of the trip, do some quick reviews of where I stayed and where I ate, and share my experiences with you. Let's think of it like this. You know that feeling of dread that you get when your friend breaks out the photo album and makes you look at every single picture they took on their vacation? Yeah, that's what I want to avoid here. So, without any further ado, let's do it. I want to start things off with my thoughts on our accommodations this time around. We stayed at the newly renovated Park MGM Hotel, which, if you haven't been to Vegas in a couple of years, used to be the Monte Carlo. This isn't the first time that I've stayed at Park MGM, but it is the first time that I've had a chance to talk about it on the podcast. Honestly, if I had to give it a rating between 1 and 10, I'd probably give it a 5, maybe a 6 at the most. Why? Well, there's a few different reasons. I'll start with the check-in experience. Park MGM is almost exclusively self-check-in via kiosk. There is a VIP desk for higher tier MLife members and an agent floating around to assist if you need it, but that's it. Otherwise, you're on your own. I'd been anticipating a somewhat easy check-in. I'd received an email the day before for pre-check-in, meaning that once our room was ready, I'd get a QR code sent to my phone that I could just scan at the kiosk to get my room keys. Wasn't too worried about the readiness of the room since we were arriving later in the evening, and my previous kiosk check-in experiences at other hotels were actually quite smooth. Not so much this time around. First off, the first three kiosks that I approached were actually closed, so we had to hunt around to find one available. 
then the ID scanner at the kiosk I picked didn't work and wouldn't scan my passport, my Nexus card, or my driver's license. I tried using my MLife card to check in instead since that was listed as an option, but it still wanted to scan my ID. Fair enough. So we began the hunt to find an agent to assist us. Looked like we weren't the only ones having issues as the lone agent working the floor was having to bounce around from kiosk to kiosk helping people get checked in. To be fair, she was super friendly, very understanding of our frustrations, and was able to get us checked in quite quickly. Now, let's talk about the room. We booked a basic Park MGM King room, so nothing fancy or extravagant. That being said, if I had to pick a word to describe the room, that word would be... Meh. They've gone very minimalist in the decor and the furnishing of the rooms. Basic paint colors, a few pieces of artwork on the wall by the bed, a couch by the window, and a single table and chair by the couch. That's it. The rooms are really lacking any kind of character. Also, if you're the type of person who likes to unpack and get comfortable, the only place to keep your clothes is in the closet, either hanging up or in this tiny little set of drawers that's about the size of a nightstand. Otherwise, no dresser or storage. Your stuff is staying in your suitcase. Also, no fridge in the room. Now, this doesn't really come as a surprise to me, but knowing that other resorts up and down the Strip offer this as a standard amenity in all their rooms is kind of annoying when a property that's trying to market itself as upscale requires me to go over to CVS or Walgreens and buy a styrofoam cooler and a bag of ice if I want to keep my beer cold. Another negative to the room? A total lack of soundproofing. Now, from what I've been told, this was a problem back when it was the Monte Carlo as well, but I'd never noticed it on previous stays. Maybe I was just lucky enough to be on a high enough floor and not have neighbors on other trips. This time around, though, I could hear everything. I could clearly hear conversations in the adjacent rooms. I could hear my neighbor's TVs. I could hear them opening and closing the blinds, and I could hear their morning bathroom routines. As well, being on a lower floor, we were on the fourth floor. We could hear all the vehicle noise from the front entrance of the hotel and the music noise from the bars and restaurants across the street over at the park. Now, I'm not going to be all Debbie Downer, though. There are some positives to the property, not least of which is the location, especially if you're going to an event at the T-Mobile Arena. My wife and I were in town specifically for a hockey game, so the ability to be able to walk out the side door of the hotel, cross the street, and be at the game was amazingly convenient. And although we didn't have a chance to partake in any of them, it's nice to see that Park MGM finally has all their restaurants and bars open. Last few times I've stayed there, there was almost nothing available on site, meaning walking across next door to the park or over to New York, New York, or across the street to MGM Grand was what you had to do if you wanted a bite to eat. Also, I must say they've done a great job with bed and pillow selection. They are amazingly comfortable. The bathrooms in the room are great with a fantastic shower. The in-room Wi-Fi, nice and fast. And unlike the Caesars properties, there's no limit on the number of devices you can connect. And they've also done an excellent job with power outlets and charging ports for all your devices. Next up, let's talk the meals for this trip. My wife and I aren't big gamblers or drinkers, but we absolutely love to eat. And a trip to Vegas is always a great chance for us to indulge that obsession. We have our favorite spots that we consistently try to hit up when we're in town, and we always like to try a couple of new places as well. And this trip, no exception. 
First off, let's talk about the new places that we tried. We arrived late on a Wednesday night, and by the time we were checked into our hotel and settled, it was close to 11 o'clock. We were both hungry, but at that time of the night, we didn't really want to go out for a full meal and have something heavy. And because we'd worked all day and then traveled, we were tired and really didn't feel like going too far away from Park MGM. We strolled next door over to New York, New York, and ended up at Tom's Urban. Checking online, this place has fantastic reviews. Now, I've walked past there a million times, never having taken the time to actually go in. My wife had mentioned that she had eaten at their location in Los Angeles and really enjoyed it, so we gave it a shot. Great decision. We happened to be there during their late night happy hour, which goes from 10 o'clock to close every Sunday to Thursday. They do anything that pours for half off. They've got $5 appetizers, $10 wings and sliders. Service was super fast. The food was awesome. The portions just the right size for a pre-sleep meal. I'm already looking forward to my next Vegas trip so that I can go back and try them out for an actual regular meal. The second new-to-us spot that we tried on this trip was the Henry over at the Cosmopolitan. Again, this is another place that I have walked past a million times. It's right inside the North Strip side entrance across from what used to be the Bond Bar and has now been turned into the Barbershop Cuts and Cocktails. The Henry is open 24 hours. They have a very extensive menu for breakfast, lunch, dinner, and late night eating. We were there for a late morning breakfast. We only waited maybe 15 minutes for a table. We were seated super promptly. Server was over right away. And again, they have an awesome menu with lots of variety. Everything from fresh made donuts to pancakes to your standard bacon and eggs. I personally am a huge fan of Eggs Benedict, so I went with their signature short rib Benedict, braised short ribs, soft poached eggs, hash browns, and hollandaise sauce. It's super popular. It is a signature dish there. Here's how you can tell it's a signature dish. I put a photo of it up on Twitter, at JeffDoesVegas, and the hashtag signature short rib Benedict already existed again absolutely amazing i would highly recommend it all in all it was a great dining experience and another restaurant that i'll add to my list for repeat visits and another new spot that we tried was maryland's cafe at the tuscany suites and casino just off the strip we went there for a late night bite to eat after spending time at a lounge show in the piazza lounge which i'll tell you a bit more about later on in the podcast Maryland's is open 24 hours. They've got an all-day, all-night breakfast menu, a huge selection of entrees, and being off the strip, the prices are insanely good. Just as an example, the late-night menu features a $5.99 steak and egg special, which a few people in our group ordered. It looked fantastic. If you want to get an idea of what the rest of the menu looks like, go check out TuscanyLV.com. Once again, Maryland's on my list of must-eat spots in Vegas. Of course, we also hit up a couple of our regular haunts, including Husan's Cantina over in Mandalay Bay for some amazing Mexican food and fantastic margaritas, great as usual. And no visit to Vegas would be complete for us without a trip to Nine Fine Irishmen in New York, New York. We did dinner there before heading over to T-Mobile Arena for the hockey game. Excellent as always. 
As much as my wife and I love hitting up the big Vegas production shows, and we've certainly seen our share of those, from Rock of Ages when it was around, to Tenors of Rock, to Absinthe, to Magic Mike Live, one of our favorite things to do is to find a lounge at one of the resorts and take in some live entertainment. The talent level in Las Vegas is absolutely incredible, which means that no matter where you go, you're pretty much guaranteed to find something you like. We're also pretty lucky in that we've got some amazingly talented friends who live in Las Vegas, and one of those people is Kenny Davidson. I met Kenny through my friend Mark Chinook, who I've talked about on previous episodes of the podcast. Kenny is the piano player and musical director for Mark's charity show, Monday's Dark. In addition to that gig, Kenny performs weekly at Don't Tell Mama, a piano bar on Fremont Street that just moved into an awesome new location. And for the last six years, he's been hosting Kenny Davidson's Celebrity Piano Bar at the Piazza Lounge in the Tuscany Suites and Casino. First off, the Piazza Lounge is a cool, intimate little lounge right inside the main entrance of the Tuscany. The atmosphere is great, the crowd is fun, and again, being off the strip, the drinks are super reasonably priced. Just as an example, my wife and I were able to have a glass of wine and a beer for $18. That included the tip. As for the show, every week, Kenny invites a different fellow Vegas entertainer to act as the host, and they perform a ton of music together from all different genres. In addition to the host, Kenny invites other guest performers to come up and sing, and you really never know who's going to show up. The whole thing is just really fun and casual, and I can't recommend it enough, and not just because Kenny is a good friend of mine. The show goes every Friday night. It gets underway at around 8.45, runs through until 1 a.m. You can find all the details online at TuscanyLV.com. Now, for the main attraction and the main reason for this trip to Las Vegas. Vegas! Are you ready for this? Because My wife and I are huge hockey fans. I mean, being Canadian, it's pretty much required of us. We're both originally from Winnipeg, Manitoba, the home of the Jets. And being that we spend as much time in Las Vegas as we do, it only makes sense that our number two team is the Vegas Golden Knights. So as soon as the NHL schedule was announced for this season, we booked our vacation time, we booked our flights, we booked our room, and we made arrangements for tickets to the game. I had the pleasure of being able to attend three games last year during the team's inaugural storybook season that took them all the way to the Stanley Cup final. However, this season, my trips down to Vegas never really lined up with the team's schedule, so this was to be my first game of the 2018-2019 season and my wife's first ever NHL experience in Las Vegas. First of all, I have one piece of advice. If you ever have the opportunity to take in a Golden Knights game while you're in Vegas, just do it. Don't even think about it. Even if you're not a big hockey fan or a big sports fan, just do it for the experience. And if you are a hockey fan and you've been to games at other NHL arenas, trust me, you've never experienced a game like this. To start with, T-Mobile Arena is an amazing facility. 
I've been to games at a few different buildings around the NHL, including here in Calgary, Winnipeg, Toronto, and Phoenix, and I've never seen a building like this. It's brand new, state-of-the-art, well laid out. The food and beverage options are excellent, reasonably priced as well, and there isn't a bad seat in the house. The sound system is fantastic, like feel the bass in your lungs fantastic, and the Nitron video screen, absolutely incredible. As for the actual game experience, nobody does hockey like Las Vegas. Vegas has turned hockey into an event and an attraction. Now, for some reason, hockey purists seem to have a problem with that. As a person who grew up watching hockey and playing my fair share of the game as a kid, I really don't have a problem with it. I think it's a blast. The party gets started about 60 minutes before puck drop over at the New York, New York Hotel with the Drumbots drumline and Golden Aces cheer team leading a parade through the casino out into the park area and then over to the plaza outside T-Mobile Arena. Inside the arena, things get started with an amazing on-screen and on-ice presentation, which you'll be somewhat familiar with if you watched any of the Golden Knights playoff games last season. But guess what? The presentations have gotten even bigger and better since last year. Prior to puck drop, in-game host and MC, my buddy Mark Chinook, gets the crowd pumped up and ready to go from the fortress. Every game, they invite a celebrity to help get things going by cranking the siren. Past siren blowers have included Lil Jon, Michael J. Fox, Shaquille O'Neal, Brad Garrett, the Backstreet Boys, Carrot Top, and Imagine Dragons, just to name a few. For this game, it was Donnie and Marie Osmond who had announced earlier in the day that they'd be ending their Vegas residency later this year. Even when the game stops, the Vegas Golden Knights keep the entertainment going. Most NHL teams' intermission entertainment consists of things like little kids playing hockey or human bowling or something ridiculous like that. Not in Las Vegas. When you're the entertainment capital of the world, you take advantage of that big time. First intermission entertainment for this game included members of Cirque du Soleil's Mystère performing at center ice. Past performers have included the likes of the Blue Man Group and Cirque du Soleil's Zumanity. And post-game, things just keep on going. Being located right on the strip and right on the park between Park MGM and New York, New York, the fans from the games at T-Mobile just spill out of the building and head to any of the multiple bars and restaurants along the way. We ended up having a few beverages with some friends at Saki Rock on the Terrace, which is their outdoor patio up on the second floor overlooking the park. It was very, very cool. On to the fans. I have to say... They are absolutely amazing. Honestly, I've never met a more respectful group of sports fans in my life. And keep in mind, this is coming from a Canadian. We are the kings and queens of politeness. The biggest thing for me is how friendly they are towards the visiting fans. I've attended Winnipeg Jets games here in my hometown of Calgary when they've played the Flames. And I don't want to say that I've been concerned for my safety, but honestly, there's always that concern that you might run into the odd a-hole who gets a little lippy with you or accidentally dumps a beer on you. Not in Vegas. To start with, there's always safety in numbers, right? And being that Las Vegas is a tourist town, there's generally a large contingency of visiting fans in their team colors in the building. Also, the people in the arena are happy to have the visiting fans there. They wish you and your team luck, they shake your hand, they high-five you when your team scores, and if your team loses, instead of telling you that you and your team suck, 
They'll give you a hug and say something like, well, you know, better luck next time. The other thing about the fans, they are loud. The crowd is so into this team. It's absolutely amazing. They love the Vegas Golden Knights. In speaking with some of the locals about it, the common thread is that this is their team. The Golden Knights are the first pro sports franchise to roll into Las Vegas. Prior to this, residents had to cheer for teams in Los Angeles, San Jose, or Phoenix, or their own hometown. But not anymore. Now they have a team that they can show some hometown pride in. I'm not going to lie. I was extremely skeptical that hockey was going to work in Las Vegas. I was legitimately concerned that this team would end up like the Coyotes in Phoenix with no local support and an arena full of tourists. The exact opposite has happened. The place is full of locals every game. Everywhere you go in town, you see people wearing Golden Knights gear, and it's getting harder and harder to get your hands on tickets. As for this particular game... As Jets fans, it didn't quite turn out the way we'd hoped. Our Winnipeg Jets had their asses handed to them by the Golden Knights with a 5-0 shutout. Thank God I'm also a Golden Knights fan. A few other random notes from this Vegas trip that I want to mention. I want to quickly talk about Open Table, which is an awesome online restaurant reservation system. Honestly, I've never used it before because I've never really had an issue waiting for a spot at a restaurant, but being that we were looking to go out and eat before a hockey game at T-Mobile, and also the fact that it was March Madness and Vegas was pretty crowded, I decided to give it a shot. It worked perfectly for reservations at Nine Fine Irishmen at New York, New York, and at Husong's Cantina at Mandalay Bay. We made the reservations via the restaurant's websites, and we were able to walk up to the restaurant and go right to our table with no waiting around. It looks like the old Harley-Davidson Cafe building, located right on the strip just south of Planet Hollywood, is getting set for a new tenant. The restaurant shut down back in 2016, and the building has been sitting empty since then. I reached out to the folks over at VitalVegas.com, who always seem to know all the goings-on in town, to see if they had any idea of what was moving in there yet. Nope, no idea. They said they'd been poking around, but as of yet, were unable to find out what was moving in. So I guess I'll just have to keep you updated. And finally, I've had a few people ask me if I ended up playing any table games on this trip. Well, I'm sorry to report that I did not. After my chat with Heather from Vegas Aces back on episode 13 of the show, I fully intended to sit down and play a few hands of blackjack this trip. Honestly, I just never had the time. We were running around from place to place on this trip, and I didn't really have a chance to go hunting for a $5 table with 3-2 odds. In fact, the full extent of my gambling consisted of dropping $50 in a slot machine at Park MGM on the way back to the room after the hockey game. I promise, though, next trip, I absolutely will play some blackjack. All right, that pretty much wraps things up for this episode of the podcast. I hope you enjoyed the trip report and the slightly new format for the trip report. Feel free to send me your feedback and let me know what you think. 
Now, before I let you go, I've got a few plugs that I need to toss out. First off, my fellow Vegas podcasters, MJ and Bree, over at the Keeping It Casual podcast, are getting set to host their first live show ever, coming up on Saturday, April 27th. If you're going to be in Vegas that night and you want to get out for a fun night of conversation and maybe some beverages, head over to keepingitcasualpodcast.com to get your hands on tickets and show info, as well as check out their awesome podcast. My favorite spot for entertainment off the strip, The Space, over at Polaris and Harmon, has some amazing shows and events coming up in the coming weeks and months, including Kids in the Hall star, Kevin McDonald. He will be at The Space for an improv workshop and comedy show performing in the intimate backspace on April 14th. Perez Hilton and Chris Booker are bringing their long-running podcast to the space for their first-ever club show in Las Vegas on the afternoon of April 27th. And Police Academy star and the man of 10,000 sound effects, Michael Winslow, makes his return to the space the night of April 27th. Travis Clower, the star of the Tony Award and Grammy Award-winning Broadway show Jersey Boys, he's going to be back at the space on May the 10th. And if you're going to be in Vegas pre-Halloween, make plans to be at the space for Evil Dead, the musical, HD. It's running for pretty much the entire month of October, from the 2nd through to the 27th. Tickets and info for all these awesome shows are available online at thespacelv.com. My very good Vegas friend Lisa Marie Smith is back in Vegas from her time on the road and is getting set to start taking her new music project LMS around town and performing. Their first official public performance is coming up at Rush Lounge downtown at the Golden Nugget on Sunday, April the 7th. If you want to keep up to date on LMS, follow Lisa on Twitter and Instagram at SingLisaMarie. And if you want a sample of her amazing musical talent, her self-titled debut EP is streaming on Spotify and Apple Music and is available for download on iTunes. I've got the links up in the show notes at jeffdoesvegas.com. Also, don't forget about Monday's Dark, as host Mark Chinook and the best in Vegas entertainment gather twice monthly at The Space to raise 10K in 90 minutes for a local charity. There's a different musical theme for each show. The performances are always amazing, and you never know who's going to show up to perform. Upcoming dates include April 8th, April 22nd, and May the 6th for charity info and tickets, which, by the way, start at just $20 and have been consistently selling out. Head over to mondaysdark.com and get yours now. And finally, the countdown is on to my next Vegas adventure. Trip number three of 2019 is booked for April 8th to 11th as I'm headed down to take in the National Association of Broadcasters NAB show 2019. I've had the pleasure of attending NAB in the past and it's always been a great time. From checking out all the cool new gear to heading out on the town and taking in some of the fantastic parties. Also this year, I'm excited to check out the podcasting pavilion and attend a few conference sessions about the podcast industry. In the meantime, thank you so much for listening to the show. Please give me a follow on social media at Jeff Does Vegas on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And don't forget to subscribe absolutely free on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, or anywhere else you get your podcasts so that you'll be notified the instant a new show is uploaded. 
Also, head over to jeffdoesvegas.com to check out past episodes, show notes, and info on the Jeff Does Vegas patron program and the audience survey. My name is Jeff, and this has been episode number 15 of the Jeff Does Vegas podcast, a Walker New Media production. Thank you.